Thanks, Mike. Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Oh, wait, no, you switched it off. Not not too far, not too far. Not too far, you're going to need it. I might might need it. Somebody might need it. (laughs) Sorry about that. We're ruining the electronics, but I think it's in place. Um, Yeah, Happy New Year. I'd just like us um, just to pray for one or two folks before we move on. Um, Pastor John and Cherie are not here today. They've been with Pastor John's mum for a few days because she's had a cataract operation. So she's needed some care and attention. Uh, the operation went okay. That's one eye, but there's another one coming up at some time in the future. But it would be good to pray for them. They've had a bit of a break. Um, Josie Swart has been in hospital, so we need to continue to pray for her. She's been improving, but um, she's been in hospital this week uh, following surgery. Erlene Schoenmacher isn't too well. And uh, Brian Tompkins is in hospital. He's got some blood clots on his lungs. So uh, he's going to be in hospital for a few days. So I'd just like us to pray for these folks before we get into the word. Lord, we thank you that you're a God of grace, that you're a God who cares for us, uh, and that you're a God who knows all our circumstances. And we just leave these, lead, lead these folks in your capable hands, Lord. Uh, pray, Lord, for, for Brian Tompkins, Lord, that the... the Blood clots will soon disperse. We pray that the treatment that he has will just be successful and that he'll soon be back on his feet and able to be out and about as he would like to. Bless him, Lord, and Nancy at this time. For Erlene and Gerald, just pray that you will give them grace, that they will know your peace. Uh, and as Erlene finds it difficult to move around, just bless her. May your comfort and your, your joy be in her heart. Pray, Lord, for Josie Swart. Lord, we pray that that things will settle down, that her stomach will settle down, that following surgery she will soon be able to be back to normal. Bless her, Lord, and Pete. And we pray, Lord, for for Pastor John's mother. Thank you that the cataract operation has been successful, and so far all is well. Just pray that she will continue to improve, uh, and that this will just transform her vision. And then as she thinks towards the other eye, just pray that you'll be sovereign there. Bless Pastor John and Sherry. Thank you for their ministry among us. Lord, we thank you for them. We pray that although this hasn't been a restful break because they've been caring for, for Pastor John's mother and they've been busy, we pray that they will know your joy. We pray that they will know your anointing and that they will know the rest of God and the peace of God in their hearts. And now, Lord, open our eyes and our ears to hear your word and to see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, by way of introduction... Uh, we, we sang a song called Bones, and when that came up on the screen, you might have thought, Bones? Well, you might have looked in the bulletin um, and thought, oh, that's what it's all about, is it? Okay, valleys of dry bones. Well, if so, you're correct, and by way of introduction, I'm hoping that we're going to see a little video to dramatize this story from Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. 
He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the voice of the Lord. I will make breath into you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, and say to it, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. As he commanded me, and breath them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Whew. Wow, dramatic. And it um, sets the context for what we're looking at this morning. And I'd like to read that passage, which is found in Ezekiel chapter 37. I'm sorry, I'm not using the church Bible, so I don't know what page it is on the church Bible. But if you're not sure where Ezekiel is, look it up in the index at the front. And it's chapter 37, and and I'm going to read the first 14 verses. And you'll see it's it's very close, because the, the video there was following what Ezekiel experienced. The hand of the Lord was on me. And, sorry? Page 8-6-6-0. If you've got a church Bible in the chair in front of you, it's page 866. Thank you. Um, just to complicate things more, I've got a different version. <clears throat> I've got the NIV. Right. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. <clears throat> it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say 
Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Wow, what a chapter, a story of revival. Nearly forgot. Got to get it right. Oh, it's gone dark. How's that? What a story. And um, I came across, you know, I read this some time back. And you know sometimes when a bit of scripture sometimes grabs you and, and you've read it dozens of times before... But then somehow something sort of arrests your attention. You think, wow, there's something here. This is really good stuff. And that's what I want us to think about. Now, the title, you might think, what on earth has that got to do with it? It is what it is, or is it? I think one of the things that, that this, this expression that we have, well, it is what it is, you don't have it so much in the UK. And it's something that we've only sort of picked up when we come over here. Um, and I quite like it. It, it means, well... <laughs> That's life. Can't change it. That's what things are like. We're stuck with it. It is what it is. Um, no point in, in grieving, grousing over it, because you're not going to change it. It is what it is. Just put up with it and live with it. Hmm. What can we say about that as far as this story is concerned in Ezekiel? Well, the first thing is it's a vision. This is not historical fact. This is not a historical event. This is a vision. So it's not literal. It's not literal. It is something that Ezekiel experienced that God wanted to communicate. And because God wanted to bring hope, because Ezekiel was a spokesman to the people of God, at this time they were in exile. No wonder they were saying, oh, you know, our bones are dead, there's no life We've lost all hope. No wonder they were in exile. They'd been taken away. This was about five, six hundred BC, uh, and they were in bad times. But God wanted to bring new hope. So what's with a vision? Why give Ezekiel this vision? Well, God doesn't hide what he does. God wants to communicate. He wants to bring encouragement, hope, and vision. Now, we have this strange expression in verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me. And it occurs several times in Ezekiel. And it's been described by a commentator as an overpowering experience of divine revelation, not revolution, an overpowering experience of divine revelation. In other words, something Ezekiel was transported in his spirit somehow. It grabbed his attention. The nearest we will get to it, I guess, will be a dream. Perhaps. A very, you know how sometimes dreams are so vivid and you really think it's happening and you wake up and you think, wow, cool, that was something. And it was more vivid than that. Almost like going into a trance. Now, we don't like the word trance because that, that speaks to us of weirdo stuff and you're absolutely right. But it's quite biblical. There are biblical trances. Peter went into a trance um, in the New Testament. It's, that, it's an altered state of consciousness and here is God giving Ezekiel this vision, something he could see, experience. It was almost as if he was walking through this valley, because in the spirit he was. 
It was very vivid. And God was in it. So God takes Ezekiel in this vision to the valley of dry bones. And what is it? Well, it's hopeless. There's despair. It's disorganized. It's dead. It's dry. There's not a lot of life. There's not a lot of hope. And yet God comes up with this question. And God says to Ezekiel, look at that. And he asks Ezekiel a question. Was this because God wasn't sure what was going to happen? Was it because God was wanting Ezekiel's point of view so he was going to decide what he was going to do? Was it, did, he want, did he need Ezekiel's advice? I don't think so. Here is God saying to Ezekiel, look at that. Can these bones live? Look at this place of hopelessness and despair and death and dryness. Can these bones live? Is there a future? Is there any hope? Now at this point, he hadn't said what the bones represent. He hadn't said that yet. Later on he tells Ezekiel what it represents. But at this point, he's just asking Ezekiel the question, you look at that picture of death and dryness and hopelessness, and he's saying, is there any hope? Now Ezekiel, being a good Christian, well, you know, he's not a Christian, but you know what I mean, a man of God, he says, oh, you're asking me? That's above my pay grade, only you know that, Lord, don't ask me. You're the one with the answers, aren't you? And what did God say? Hey, Ezekiel, you prophesy. And this is what I want you to prophesy. God involved Ezekiel. And you sometimes think, well, what's this all about? This is only a vision. It's not real. It's not real historical fact. It's a picture of what's going on. Why on earth involve Ezekiel? Well, Ezekiel had that ministry of being a watchman, of declaring truth, and it was preparing him for more of his ministry. And when God does something, God tends to work with man, and Ezekiel has to identify with these bones, because God said, or or it says here in verse 2, yeah, he led me back and forth among them. It's not as if Ezekiel was here looking at the bones over there. He actually was led back and forth among the bones, to experience the hopelessness and the despair that was there. He was in amongst it. So God did involve Ezekiel, and Ezekiel had to have a first-hand experience of what it was like. But then God did something. We have this two-stage renewal. God says to Ezekiel, prophesy to the bones. And he prophesied, and the tenders, and I love the way they did that on the video, the bones came, the bones found their bones, and the tendons began to grow over, and the flesh and the skin. And here is God, through Ezekiel's prophecy, um, bringing structure, bringing organization, bringing things back into relationship that have fallen out of place. But, at this point, there is no life. So God is doing a two-stage renewal. I wonder how many stages of renewal God does in us. It's not, all the one, it's not a one-off thing. It takes time. There's different stages, as we'll see later on. But first of all, he puts the bones back together, and then he says, prophesy to the breath, the winds. And we look into that and we say, oh, this is to do with the Spirit, the Spirit of God. This is to do with the Spirit of life. And Ezekiel prophesies, and they stand on their feet, a mighty army. And there was the mighty army, one man, representing the whole lot, I guess. But I thought, in a way, wow, each one of us, metaphorically, 
can be a mighty army in God's economy. It's not just numbers. It's not just numbers. It's the structure, it's the organization of our lives, and it's the breath of life breathing into us. And the end result of this, yes, yes, hopelessness is overcome. And if there's a, if there's a one line of them this morning, that's it. Hopelessness overcome. Okay, let's move on. So Ezekiel says, in effect, oh, I see, now what, now, I know what you're getting at now, because you've explained it to me, Lord, thank you. These people, this, this is the valley of bones, these are the people of God, they say there's no hope. So this comes upon Ezekiel, this dawns on Ezekiel's awareness, yeah, they are in hard times, and they say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. Their perspective is dominated by their negative circumstances. Ouch. Their perspective is dominated by their negative circumstances. They can't see further than the fact that they're taken away from their own land, that they're in exile, that they're in effect prisoners, that they are not masters of their own fate, and they can't see beyond that. And who can blame them? Who can blame them? But God comes along and says, well, this is what they say, this is what I say. And God says life. God says hope. God says get up on your feet. God says you are a mighty army. God says there is hope. And this is the message for this morning. 2018, New Year, hope. This is what the Lord God says. Because God speaks life and hope and renewal and fulfillment. God does not speak words of death and doom and destruction. He speaks life. There may be things that can need to be put to death in our lives, but he speaks life into us. And that gives people a choice. If we take this metaphor, this vision a bit further, a bit further, are we able to embrace that hope or are we going to just languish in the valley of dry bones in despair because at least it's predictable and we're familiar with it? Are we going to embrace that hope or can we sometimes be tempted just to be content with the status quo and say, well, it is what it is, coming back to the expression at the front. Now, there's two things I want to want to look at for ourselves here this morning, and that's what they are. Dry bones one, personal and corporate faith, our own relationship with the Lord. Dry bones two, stuff that life throws at us. Life had thrown stuff at the Israelites. Okay, it was their own fault because they, they'd not been faithful to God, so they were carted off into, into uh, captivity and into exile. Um, but life tends to throw stuff at us, and that can land us in the valley of dry bones if we're not careful. Remember, this is a vision, not history, but it related to real people and real circumstances because God said, Ezekiel, this valley of dry bones represents the people of God, my people, and this is what I want for them. So it is a vision, but it relates to literal fact and to what's going on. So I want us to look at this in these two ways. First of all, then, let's ask ourselves a question. Beginning of the year, hmm, we don't want to get over-analytical, but how would you describe your faith, your relationship with the Lord? How has it 
progressed or not progressed, would you say, in 2017? It's good to stop and think sometimes. It's good to stop and reflect. And then this links with last week. Mm-hmm. Ouch, I wish Tim hadn't said that. No, that's I don't mean that. <laughs> Can we sometimes embrace our brokenness and our dryness and our uh, hopelessness? Well, that's me. That's how it's always been. That's how it'll always be. I'm not going to change. It is what it is. There's a danger, isn't there? That we embrace our brokenness, that we live in it, rather than seeking to have it dealt with. Is my faith more like a dry pile of dry bones or a marching army? Is my faith more like a cemetery or a maternity unit? Hmm. Is my relationship with God dry, repetitive, lifeless, dull, out of obligation, or is it vibrant, fresh, living? And there we are, the danger. So that's the first session, the, the first part there. How on earth can we see our walk with the law growing and enhancing and, and, and knowing fresh life coming in? The second one is that stuff that life throws at us in our lives. Are there any dry places of dry bones? Things that have happened, places of despair, the stuff that we've written there. So we sometimes think life is out of control. We can fill in the dots. You can perhaps fill in the dots in your life. Something that maybe has been bugging you that's a real issue in your life. Something where there's pain, there's difficulty. Dry bones. Now, this is not a talk that says, oh well, If you're in difficult circumstances, trust God, believe and pray, and all will work out fine. Have more faith. Uh -uh. This is a talk that is related to, okay, I do trust God, I do pray, and it didn't work out fine. Where does that leave me? Is it me? Is it God? What is it? I wanted some life, but I got dry bones. I wanted things to be healed and restored and come to new life, but it didn't happen. And it's irreversible. I can't change it. It's finished. It's over and it's difficult, and it didn't seem good, and it still doesn't seem good. So our faith is not just a fair-weather faith. If it's real, if it's genuine, it's alive, it can live through the times when things don't work out. Sometimes we pray and things do work out, and everything is marvellous, and God answers our prayer, and we think, wow, that's fantastic. Praise God. But sometimes we do all that stuff, and it doesn't work out. And we suffer loss, and tragedy happens, or we lose our job, or we lose somebody, or something goes wrong. We have a relationship that blows up and it doesn't come back again. Is that because our faith has slipped up? Is that because God has ignored us? Is that because God has condemned us to being in a valley of dry bones? No, it's life. It's called life in a fallen world. And it's hard. And that's what I want to address. Not when everything works out well, but when things don't work out well. And whatever it is in your life, the message is that there is hope. And we see this in Ezekiel. I don't mean hope that things will go reversed and back to how you wanted them to be. They may do, they may not. I mean hope quite apart from what the outcome of your difficult situation is. There is hope. The stuff that life throws at us is there because we live in a fallen world. It is not because of our sin. Okay, it may be because we've made some wrong choices, but not necessarily. A lot of stuff 
It's just down to the fact that we live in a fallen world. There is hope. And so Ezekiel was told to prophesy. He was told to speak to the bones. And it's almost as if he's saying, okay, Ezekiel, that's their perspective. We're all dead, we're, no, we're lost, we're out of our country, we haven't got any hope, there's despair, there's hopelessness. God's saying, I've got a different perspective. What do I need to hear in my life? What do you need to hear? Is there a word from the Lord for me? Are you Ezekiel, in fact, to use this sort of metaphor a little bit differently, God prophesied through Ezekiel. Maybe God wants you to prophesy into your own life and speak words of life. Now, this is not name it and claim it, okay? This is not stand on the word, believe that, say it ten times a day and you'll be rich within the end of three weeks. We're not into name it and claim it stuff. But this is a question of looking at what God's perspective might be, death or life. These people say, or the Lord God says, choice. What do we seek to hold on to? And do I want to hear it? Because, you know, if you've been used to living in a valley of dry bones, things are fairly quiet and predictable, and they may not be ideal, but, you know, there's not too much going on. And God may be saying, hey, I want to raise you to life, you're a mighty army. And that sounds a bit exhausting, a bit more active, a bit more involved. Involved? God wants me involved in his purposes? Well, I guess so. He wanted Ezekiel, he wanted his people, and he promised revival, he promised new life, because God is the God of involving people. He's not just cut off from us, we are not cut off from him. He has purposes, he has, uh, he has plans for us. He has a life for us that survives, that can survive tragedy and loss. Some of you know that, because you've been there. So, hear this, you bones. Am I content to remain as a pile of bones, inactive, ineffective, lifeless? Does God want to speak life into me? Do I want to hear it? Maybe there's a chat going on between God and Ezekiel, except you are Ezekiel, and God is saying, hey, is there any hope for your situation? What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? Is there a next step for you? Is there hope for you? Just as he said to Ezekiel, can these bones live? He wants you to focus on the situation. He doesn't want you to ignore it. He doesn't want you to be complacent. He doesn't want you to just say, it is what it is, meh. He wants to say, what are we going to do with this? What's going to happen? Because God never gets to a point where he's scratching his head over you and thinking, oh, crumbs, what do we do with this person now? We've had it, you know, I'm at a dead end here. God never gets to that point. We tend to, but God doesn't. He hadn't got to that point with the people of Israel who were in very bad circumstances. Because although their perspective was it's hopeless, his perspective was, I've got a mighty army here waiting to be revived. Wow. And we are a part of that mighty army, to use that metaphor, with God reviving us. What might God be saying to each one of us? Hmm. Now, I want to pause at this moment, because there's a microphone here that might work. Um, and we looked at two things personal faith renewal of personal faith first of all and we've looked at God helping us surviving us giving life through tragedy 
through difficulty, through pain, through relationship breakup, that at the time seemed pretty awful and probably was. But you've come through that because of God speaking life into you afresh. And I'd just like to pause for a moment and give an opportunity. I want to make it very difficult for you. I don't want you to stay there. I want you to come up here and just for half a minute tell us what God's done in your life. There's no stooges. Maybe nobody wants to do that, which is fine. But if you have had an experience of God renewing your personal faith, you've been, your faith's been like that valley of dry bones, and comes, God's come along and he's put you together, breathed new life into you, stood you on your feet. Maybe you just want to for 30 seconds share that. Or if you come through tragedy and loss, serious stuff, I'm not talking about the cat getting its paws stuck in the door or getting frostbite. I'm talking about, you know, bad stuff that's happened in your life. That God has brought you through and made you say, hey, this is not the end. It is not what it is. There is life. There's a dust and opportunity. So does anybody want to take the opportunity? Come on then, Linda. good public speaker but <laughs> that's fine um, 15 years ago approximately um, I couldn't understand why I had asthma really bad and I used to end up in the hospital four times on life support and I thought I was faithful enough and I was going to church and uh, doing whatever I could volunteered for everything and thought I was serving the Lord the right way But um, he opened my eyes because I ended up, I couldn't move from my neck down uh, when I came home from the hospital the one time. And I cried so hard, and I said, Lord, what did I do to deserve this? That was 15 years ago. I was in bed for a couple of years, couldn't move. Um, Watched my children take care of me, help me. Through it all, I noticed one thing. I kept praying, talking to him. He opened my heart through things that happened to me years and years ago when I was 16. Made me see things. Made me watch, sit back and watch, instead of running and running and running and running and doing and doing and doing. I had to sit back and watch and share with him and be with him. Well, praise the Lord, after five years in a wheelchair, they found medication, and here I am. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well done. Thank you. So that's new life from a place of death. And this is not, there's no, nobody's prepared. This is totally off the cuff. Anybody else? Come on, Ed. Everybody has a story, and um, most people probably know ours, but it just came to me while I've been reading Job, and I'm thinking, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing all these things that are supposedly right. I did that, but I thought my marriage, and for quite a while, my wife and I were separated. And when I was separated, I wasn't just separated from my wife. I was separated from the Lord. I did it, not willingly, but I did it, and in that, I started going back to church. I went to church with my mom, and I prayed. And it, it was heartfelt, finally. 
And instead of realizing that I was mad at God, I was mad at me, I thought I was doing the right thing. Those were earthly things. What I really needed to do was answer his call. And so the voice came to me, do what you got to do. And in rebuilding my life, I was fortunate enough that my wife was receptive at the same time. So, you know, God's working on all those bones in all sorts of parts of the valley, and they just came together. My wife and I had a conversation on the phone. We were 500 miles apart, but we were never closer. The Lord really works in mysterious ways, and, you know, so I'm one of you that tells you it is there. And sometimes you just have to quiet yourself, and you'll figure out where it is. But he's marvelous, and uh, he worked in me. Thanks, Ed. Bless you. I like that expression. Sometimes we just need to quiet ourselves and spend some time with God and listen. Anybody else? No? Okay, that's fine. Thank you, both of you. Um, they weren't prepared. Nobody knew it was going to happen. And uh, it's great to hear testimony of where God picks us up when things are not ideal. And that's fantastic. Okay. Back to the valley. Let's move that out of the way a bit. Try not to break it this time. <laughs> back to the valley. So let's go back to this question. Can these bones live? Okay. What does God want you to prophesy, in inverted commas, into your own life? Because prophesying is declaring truth. It's holding on to it. It's believing it. It's living it. It's, it's becoming, becoming part of us. And, and it's the truth of God welling up within our being. So what was the answer to this question for Ezekiel? Can these bones live? And Ezekiel dodged the question and said, well, only you know that. You know, Lord, don't ask me. I'm just a prophet. Well, the answer is this. I think we can, we can deduce from what happens that the answer is yes, but only if God steps in. And the answer for those that, that our two friends seemed to be, yeah, God did something. God stepped in. God stepped in and brought new life. So whatever your dry bones may be, if you're living in dry bones with some dry bones at the moment, the answer is yes, but it may mean that God's got to step in in a new way. So it may mean that we've got to spend more time with God. God may be wanting to give you a new perspective. The people who were lost, all they could see, as we said earlier, they couldn't see beyond their own hopeless circumstances. They couldn't see beyond their place of exile. They were dominated by the negative. And that's very easy. It's understandable. But God has a different perspective. And maybe what we need to do this, this year, at the beginning of this year, is just to sit back and be quiet and say, okay, what's your perspective on this, Lord? This difficult situation I'm living with, this relationship, this health issue, this financial issue, this work issue, this issue within myself, whatever it is, Lord, what, what are you... Are you wanting me to prophesy? Are you wanting me to say something into this, to speak some truth into this situation? Are you wanting a new perspective on this? So maybe God wants us to get to grips with him in a new way, individually or corporately. But that may mean that we've got to turn away from other ways of thinking about things. Mediocrity. Uh, it is what it is. It'll never change. Uh, we, get all right. we get on all right, I suppose. 
fatalism, well, nothing's going to change. You know, that's what is and there's no point in trying to change it. Hopelessness. That is not where God is. So if we're going towards God, if we're seeking his perspective, if we're walking towards him, then we may be having to walk away from other ways of looking at things. We may be having to walk away from our own perspective and say, well, that is not the only perspective on this. And so God may be wanting us to, in inverted commas, prophesy, speak, declare truth into our lives. Now... What's the end result? Well, we see that in verse 13. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Is that not what it says in the NIV? Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. And time and time again through Scripture, through the stories of what happened to the children of Israel and the other nations around about them, God says, well, this is going to happen, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, or I'm going to say that, and this is going to happen to you, and then you will know that I am the Lord. And there's a sense it's not God ramming himself down our throats. It's a sense of, look, there's something bigger in your life than the events that you experience day by day. There is a God who is in heaven, who is involved with your life. And when these things happen, you will understand that and come to a fresh revelation of him. Your faith grows from just being a head thing to a heart thing. Because we know something of God in our lives. We know him better because we've seen him at work in our lives. Now... In my life, I can remember a time when I prayed for something and it didn't happen and we suffered loss. Some of you know that. We lost a son to suicide through mental illness through messing around with marijuana. Um, And as someone who'd been a pastor, you preach a lot on the peace of God which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And it's a good theological thing, it's a good sermon thing, and it's truth. But when that happened, and we lost our son, it wasn't just written on a page, it was actually something that I experienced and felt because of what the experience was. God's stuff works through tragedy, through difficulty. God is not put out when things go wrong with us. God is bigger than those things, and God has got his hand on you and me, as we see with Ezekiel. And the end result is, I say, whoa, wow. This God stuff actually works. There is new life. There is truth. There is something vibrant here. And that's fantastic. So maybe God wants us to speak out truth into our own lives, in our own circumstances, to speak life, to speak renewal. Whatever it was, and our, our friends sort of said this, what, what God's point of view was this, I needed to be quiet and listen to God. And maybe at the beginning of 2018, we need to sort of set aside some time quietly to say, okay, Lord, what are the challenges for this year? This valley, yeah, this this part of my life is like a valley of dry bones. And I've said, well, it is what it is. Nothing will change. I want something to change this year. It may or may not mean the situation resolving itself. But even if the situation does not resolve itself satisfactorily, there is still hope and new life through it. That's the important thing. And of course, Ezekiel's prophesying came not from theological training or study of the books or just being of the right family. Ezekiel's prophesying came as a result of an encounter with God. The hand of the Lord was upon me. Now, we probably are unlikely to see a vision. 
We are unlikely to go into a trance. We are unlikely to dream a dream, but some of us could probably say, well, I had a dream once and I think God was in that, saying something to me. Okay, good, hold on to that. It's unlikely that it's going to be spectacular, but we still need that encounter with God, spectacular or not, that can help us through these things. Are we a prophetic people? I was very tempted to say, are we prophetic or pathetic? But I thought, no, we're not going to be negative here. Are we a prophetic people? In other words, a people who hang on every word that God says. And maybe God's got a word to speak to you and to me in your own individual circumstances. I don't know what they are. God does. Maybe there's a bit of a dry bone area in your life and God is saying, hmm, we can do anything with this then, or is that it? And God wants to speak new life into that area of your life. When there's a conflict between where we are and where we want to be, what do we do? When there's a conflict between where we are and where we want to be, what do we do? And the people of Israel were stuck in where they were. They couldn't They knew where they wanted to be. They wanted to be back in their own land. They wanted to be masters of their own lives and fate. So what did they do? They just, sadly, they gave in to the hopelessness until Ezekiel came along and said, hey, God's going to do something here. There's going to be new life. There's going to be revival. There's going to be fresh hope. So, finally, is it really what it is? What? It's this saying again, it is what it is. Is it really? Is that really it? And a few pointers just to close us off. Our perspective is limited and incomplete. We heard about Job. Job was clobbered with all sorts of stuff that he didn't deserve, that he weren't the results of his own failings, because Satan, God said to Satan, look at Job, he is a good man. And Satan said, yeah, but look what you've given him. Take that away and he'll curse you. And God said, you think so? All right, Satan, you've got some limited powers. You can do this, you can do that, but don't do that. That's tough on Job. But what was the challenge? Take away his goodness, take away his family, take away his possession and he will curse you. It was a challenge. And, you know, we don't understand. Some people say this is literal. Some people say this is just a story picturing spiritual truth. doesn't really matter. It's a challenge between Satan and God. And Satan said, yeah, take away his comfort and he's going to curse you to his face. And God says, oh, yeah? And who was proved right? Did Job curse God? Uh Uh-uh. His wife said, curse God and die. You know, just turn away from God. Let him finish you off. You're in such pain. You're in such tragedy. And Job said, no. I will not curse God. Now, his perspective was limited and incomplete. And he didn't get things quite right. And who can, under- who can blame him? But he did not curse Job. Curse, he did not curse God. And so Hulk walked away from that, that challenge in the heavenlies looking stupid. It wasn't God. It was the other fellow. There is a perspective on lives that we do not see. And I'm not saying that, that, when, you know, that there was a direct challenge from, from Satan to God in your life or mine. And I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that there are perspectives that we will never see this side of the grave 
on what's going on on this earth that, that are to do with spiritual truth. And the way we respond when life throws stuff at us, the way we respond in our own faith can determine whether God gets the glory or not. Just as in Job's life. Our perspective is limited and incomplete. Always be aware that there are things going on we don't see, we cannot hope to understand, but they're real, and they're to do with the glory and the honour of God in your life and mine. bit lighter. Hang out with God. Hang out with God. He's a good guy to be around. He's more than that, and I'm not belittling him, saying, oh, he's just my mate, you know. He's God, you know, we have our chance. Yeah, we do, but there's a whole lot more. This is the God of the universe. This is the God who creation. This is the God who sent his son. This is the God who wore that crown of thorns that we have uh, represented there so that he might wear the other crown. Hang out with God. He does us good. And part of that, sorry about that, well, you're here, so you're doing that. <laughs> Hang out with the people of God because that's how God has put us together. God hasn't raised up a mighty army of individuals who never coordinate or anything. He's, raised a might up a might, he's raising up a mighty army of people who work and live and glorify him at his call, corporately as well as individually. There is a corporate element to being a Christian that we all know, which is so vital. Life has seasons. Life has seasons. And when you're going through it, That's in an unpleasant season, but it is probably not the final season. There will be other seasons. There was a season we, I talked about our own son that we lost. For nine years after that, we went to a church. It was a good church. Didn't do a thing. Just sat there. Tried doing this. I wasn't on the staff, wasn't a pastor or anything like that. Just sat there as church members knowing God's renewal. We went to a home group. If you don't go to a home group, by the way, I should have got that on this list. That's hanging out with the people of God. Go to a home group if you're not in one. Um, see Kathy, she will point you in the right direction. Because that's a good way of hanging out with the people of God. And that's a good way of knowing God's support and help corporately. But we, hang out in, we hung out in church for nine years. I tried doing this, tried doing that, and so did we both. Nothing really gelled. And it's as if God said, stop trying to do stuff. It was a season... I never thought, coming over here, I'd ever be back in church work. I'd done that in the UK. and thought, oh, I've retired. Hey! <laughs> Bring on the grandkids. Um, we have seasons in our lives. And there are seasons when we just have to sit there and receive from God and his people. And we think, well, yeah, but I want to do stuff. Okay. There may well be a season again when you are fruitful in a different way. But as we've heard this morning, sometimes we just need to sit back and listen, and take it in, and be loved, and be accepted, and be valued, without having to do a thing. That's part of God's grace. Now that's an important one. If you're not in pain, good. Emotional pain, whatever it is. If you have been, you know what that means. But God inhabits the place of pain, as well as the God of peace. I think I said earlier, God is not just a fair weather God. There's so much superficial, oh, trust the Lord and come to Jesus and your life will be transformed and everything will be marvellous. I don't see that in the Bible. What I see is real people who got themselves into all sorts of sticky situations and had all sorts of nonsense stuff throwing at them. And it happened in the church in the New Testament. There are disagreements. There are arguments. 
And there was pain. And God inhabits that place of pain as well as the place of peace. We've heard that this morning. God is there with you. However awful it seems, God is there with you and there is life at the end of the tunnel. There is light at the end of the tunnel. So sit aside and say, okay, God, what are we going to deal with this year? What question might God be asking you this year? So finally, I really am finishing now. That's the one. Oh, dear. Ah. That's better. (laughs) Trying to be clever with this technical stuff. I can't even pick up a microphone without breaking it, so all these buttons and things are hopeless. Where's your bones? They can live. They can live. There is hope. There is tomorrow. It's not the end of the road. So I hope that will be a word of encouragement for 2018. We're going to sing a song to finish with, which is unusual, and the musicians are about to come. And I think it's to do with being, it is being things, being well with my soul. I can't sing, I don't know whether it's the old one or the new one, or the one that's the old one. I can, this song cracks me up, because it's, (laughs) it's true. It is true, because through the other stuff, we can say and know it is well with my soul. I know it, not because I'm a pastor, but because it cracks me up. Oh, it, it, you can see it, it, I become emotional and, and it, it gets me going. Cracks me up. It's, it's not the thing of pain or, or, or sadness. It's triumph and truth that in this life there is a God who brings new life in the place of death. Amen. Enough for me. Let's sing it.